not sure what uh, your after Thanksgiving routine looks like, but this is what mine looks like. Anybody else look like this? Anybody know what this is? These are Black Friday ads. I heard last week that there are people that order newspapers from all over the country just so they can see some of the best deals. And so we flip through this, and so what happens is we kind of enjoy Thanksgiving dinner, and then the minute that it is over, they are loaded and ready. They are sitting out on the table, on the counter, and we kind of go and we put pajamas on. For me this year, I didn't even take pajamas off. I just kept them on all day. I don't know about you. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm proud of that. If you didn't keep pajamas on all day, that is your fault, okay? But um, this is what we do. So we start combing through these, and, and it, uh, some of us are on iPads, and some of us are on computers, and some of us are on, on the old school catalogs, you know, the old, and so we're flipping through restoration hardware, we're flipping through whatever it is uh, that, that came in the mail over the last few weeks, and we create what? List. We create these lists, these things of list that we want, things that we think we need, things that we've seen, things that we didn't see until the day of, and we go, well, I didn't know that existed in such a great deal, so let's put it on the list, and we create these lists, and then we follow that list up with a New Year's list, but it's a season of list, and so we hunt, and we scour for hours, and we dream, and we hope, and we laugh, and we go, wow, I need this in my life, I don't know how I was living to this point without this in my life, let's put it on the list. It's a list that we hope, it's a list that we put a lot of stock in, a lot of thought in. It's a list that if certain things aren't on it, breed disappointment and frustration if we get up on Christmas morning and it's not there. Now, the older I get, oddly, the list gets shorter, more specific, and way more boring. Here's my list this year. I'm looking for some five-inch Hickory Tahoe color. Bruce engineered hardwood flooring. That's my list. There's about 200 square feet if any of you guys are looking for a gift for me. But that's Lori and I's list. And my mom and, and my sister are like, okay, but what do you really want? I'm like, no, I really want flooring for my bedroom. They're like, okay, but look through the map. And I'm like, it's not in here. We've already looked. That's the list. But we create these lists and they're detailed. And they're well thought out. They're extensive. My nephew's lists are a mile long, and they are very specific to what we need that we don't have. And then we move from that to New Year's list, right? Again, it's just a different kind of list, but it's still a list that is, is derived. It's still centered around what? What we don't have that we want. It's resolutions. I want to get up earlier. I want to lose weight. I want to eat better. I want to work out more. I want to do this less. I want to do more of this this coming year. It's another list. And if you're like me, that list is generally gone about as quick as it is created. But in the midst of this, with everything getting pushed up earlier and earlier, specifically Christmas, which we're going to talk more about next week, why I believe that we push Christmas up earlier and earlier every year. In the midst of this, I think there's another list, a list that gets pushed aside, not pushed up, a list that gets overlooked, a list that is forgotten, a list that is neglected, a list that, let's be honest, we fly right by. How about the list of things that we already have? See, these lists are all about what we want, what we don't have, what we need. But what about the list of things that we have? 
the things that we've been given, the things that we, again, we don't pay as near as much as attention, not nearly as intentional, detailed, well thought out. I've admitted this before, that I'm a massive Christmas guy. I have had to fight the urge to put Christmas on you guys a month ago. I love, love, love Christmas. Sawyer and I, we were out a while back, and uh, we, it was July. We had a burger across town. We get back in the car, July. And I said, you know what? Let's play some Christmas music. And so we jammed to Christmas music all the way back. But I love Christmas. It is what I do. It's what I live for. And, and I'm the one, I'll admit, I'm the guy. And I know there's some of you out there that just flies right by Thanksgiving. I just fly right by it. It's rarely on my radar. I mean, who wants to, to, to create decor based on orange? I mean, let's be honest. Am I right? But who wants to do that? And so I fly right by it, and, and I'm a massive list guy, so this year I wanted to stop. I wanted to pause, and I wanted to create a different list. And so we spent Thanksgiving around the table with my family creating a list that, to be honest, should be the first list. We created a list of things that we are grateful for. And the primary reason for me stopping this year is that I felt that if I didn't seek this intentionally, I was putting myself in potential danger. See, I believe that one of the the principal dangers to our spiritual health and our overall spirituality is being ungrateful that leads to a life of being unthankful. And I'm going to be really transparent with you guys for a second. You know, one of the things that Joey said that we say a lot is that we are a community of imperfect people, and the guy who leads from this place is also imperfect. So I'm going to be really kind of open and vulnerable for a second. Over the last couple months, I have been really, really, really restless. Chris and I have talked about this, our staff, our lead team has talked, and, and there's just this restlessness that has existed in my life over the last two or three months. And I think the primary reason is I've kind of shuffled through this and I've tried to slow down and and evaluate some things. The arena that has caused this restlessness is this. It's based on what I don't have and I can't figure out why. There are things in my life that I want. There are things in the ministry that I want. There are things for our church that I want. There are things in our community that I want. And I can't seem to put my finger on it. I can't seem to, in my world, this is the way I work, figure out the right combination of things. There are things that on paper I look at and go, it should be this and it should be creating this and it should be doing this and it's not and there is restlessness that has come from that. And my entire focus in ministry over the last several months has been what I don't have and can't seem to get. And then about a month ago or so, God kind of smacked me up beside my head and said, but look at what you have. And in this moment, I slowed down. And I kind of fell to my knees, and I said, okay, God, what is it that you want me to see? Where is it that you're trying to lead me? Before I get to the season that, let's be honest, is all about what we don't have and what we need and what's going to be on the list, what is it you want me to see before we get to that place? I said, God, what is it that, that I'm not getting here? And he goes, it's not about what you don't get. It's about not recognizing fully what you have. And so I paused, and I began to ask myself this, why is it that the more I'm blessed, 
I experience a greater risk of becoming unthankful. And I think it was God trying to infuse into me this opportunity to stop and evaluate what he has done and be grateful for those things because I'd gotten myself in a rut where I wasn't. And I know for some of us, you're probably in this place where you go, I'm so focused on what's ahead and what I need and how am I going to get there and how am I going to provide and what is it that's going to be on that list and we're going to go from that list and it's just this chaotic world and we don't stop and pause. And so... It's all about getting more. And in doing so, for me anyway, I became less thankful. I'm less mindful of what God has done for me. I'm less mindful of where God has brought me from. I'm less mindful of what God is trying to do because I just want more. And as I slowed down, I began to see that God has blessed me so much. But if it wasn't for me being careful and intentional, I was losing sight of those things. And so the answer to my question is that why, why is it that when I'm so blessed, I begin to be less grateful? Here's the answer that came to me. See, I believe that if Satan can get me questioning God's goodness, then in time I'll begin to question his existence and his necessity. If I can begin to get to a place where all I'm focused on is what I don't have and what I've not received and what I've not been given and I never or rarely look back at what I have been given, what I've been gifted, what I have, then I'll begin to question, do I really need? Is it really a necessity? I mean, if, 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 if what I'm, I, I, what's out there has not been given to me, then maybe there's not a giver. Maybe, and, and you begin to go down this Again, I'm being real transparent. You begin to go, what in the world is going on? And, and then you have to stop. And you've got to remind yourself of what God has done. And so over the last weeks, this is what I've done. I just wanted to share with you this morning. I began to evaluate, and here's what it's shown me, that God really is amazing. That God is so good. That God is unfailing. God is so generous. And God is so overwhelmingly deserving of my gratitude. And one of the places that this journey over the last month or so for me, it's led me is back to the Psalms. And in particular, it's led me to Psalm 100. And and, and I just want to share with you as we finish up this Thanksgiving weekend, this season, and we hit the gas next week, full throttle, on what is coming towards Christmas. Psalm 100, a lot of people believe that this was written to be sung, and it was, and I'm not going to sing to you, okay, so forget that. Chris may be out of town, but that ain't happening. That's why Mark's here. Um, but it was sung after the Thanksgiving offering or after this special sacrifice was made. It was kind of sung in the temple. And a little background is this, is that Israel was in a similar boat than I found myself in. They had forgotten to make a list. They had forgotten to make a gratitude list that was leading them or helping lead them into a life of thankfulness. And you got to remember back in Deuteronomy, eight different times, the leaders of the Israelites reminded, tried to get them to understand the importance of, led them to do so. They said, you need to make a list. Eight different times, the book of Deuteronomy, they warned the Israelites, do not forget the Lord. 
Don't forget what the Lord has done. Don't forget where the Lord has brought you. Don't forget what the Lord is continuing to do. Don't forget the Lord's goodness. Don't forget the Lord's faithfulness. In fact, they went as far as to say, listen, I don't know what you got to do. Maybe you got to time on your hands. Maybe you got to put it on your forehead. Maybe you got to put it on your doorpost. Maybe you got to build something out in the front of your yard that every time you pass it, you, it, you are reminded that, oh, the Lord is good. Remember what he's done. Remember where he's brought me. Remember what he's continuing to do. And they didn't. And they didn't. See, the warnings, it was like the leaders knew that there's going to come a promised land, this land of Canaan, and things are going to be good. Things are going to be better than you could have imagined. And if you're not careful, you will forget. See, when life gets good, we forget, and this is where the Israelites found themselves. And so if you know Israel's history, that's exactly what happened. They had forgot these things. They began to serve other gods. They began to, to pursue, even if they're good things, they began to pursue things that was taking the place of God, beginning to allow them to question God and who he was and what he was doing. And can he do it again? And will he do it again? Or has he forgotten us? Or maybe there's something better. And so all of these things they were chasing rather than chasing and continuing to chase the heart of God and continuing to chase the will of God. And so Psalm 100 emerges in the midst of all of this. And it was written for that purpose. It was written to deal with an attitude of ingratitude. It was written to remind them that, listen, you're, you're not too far gone. That, that God is still the same God. You just need to stop, slow down, pause, and remember what God has done for you. Make a list. It was written so that it would remind them and it would remind us that we should never allow what God has done for us to be eclipsed, shadowed by our perceived prosperity in our current circumstance. Being thankful should never just become part of the routine. That routine that we just fly right by in order to get to the good stuff or what we perceive to be the good stuff. And so Psalm 100, there's a couple of declarations that I believe reminds us that, that makes a couple of these declarations regarding Thanksgiving. It's going to give us the reason and response. It's, it's that moment where we have to stop and pause and center around this. Why be thankful? I mean, and let's be honest, sometimes in the middle of, of, of certain difficult seasons, and I know that some of you are in some difficult seasons right now, you go, how in the world am I supposed to be thankful in the midst of this? Losing family members and cancer and without a job and, and man, my kids aren't acting right and, 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 and the list goes on and on and on. I don't even know how I'm going to get to Christmas, much less provide Christmas. And so there's all these and you go, how in the world am I supposed to be thankful? And Psalm 100 emerges and says, let me remind you of some things. And then there's those of us who are just busy. We're in the midst of chaos and we're running at 100 miles an hour. We've got 1,000 things to do before we get to this season where we can pause. How in the world? I don't have time. And Psalm 100 emerges. And it gives us more than enough a reminder. And I just want to work through it this morning and call it a day. Listen to this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. With joyful songs, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. A couple things that just jumped off the page at me in the middle of my restlessness, in the middle of my, God, I don't understand, why not? And I've got it on the list. It's a good list. It's not a list that's even self-serving. It's a list that is about you and your church and your kingdom and your growth. It's you. God, I don't understand it. I mean, why not? And there's a few things that popped out of Psalm 100 and says, I already have, and I'm going to continue to. I've already been faithful. Why are you questioning my faithfulness now when all you got to do is take a quick look back and you'll understand? And so a few things that pop off the page. Number one, verse three says, it is he who made us and we are his. I read this and it was a statement. It was a reminder that I'm known by God. See, because in my restlessness, I began to question whether or not God noticed me. Does God really know me? I mean, am I I being, God, am I off your radar? I mean, am I in the chat? Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, we're in this rhythm of going, God, what have I done to fall off your radar? And I read this, and I see, no, no, I'm known by God. I'm created by God. I'm his. That, that, that. Not only does he knows me, but he, he knows me best. He knows my heart. He knows what I need. He knows when I need it. He knows why I want it. And at first, I, I was like, oh, my goodness, I mean, <laughs> maybe that's why. Because he knows me best. And see, if we're not careful, we, we, we step into this and we get scared that, oh, it must be because he knows me, right? Kind of like Psalm 139 when he talks about knowing my inner being. And I'm going, oh. That's kind of scary for God to know our inner being. And, and, and then all of a sudden it became very clear that, listen, this is not something to be afraid of. This is something to take comfort in. This eases our mind or it should ease our mind that regardless of what's going on in my life and regardless of me feeling isolated and alone and not being noticed, that no, 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 God created you and you are his. You were made with a specific purpose, a design, a plan. He knows you because he created you, and he created you perfectly. Then he continues the thought. He says, listen, it is, it is he who made us, and we are, his, we are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. He says, listen, if you want a reason to be thankful in this, before we get to this list, let me give you something to put on your list, is that not only are you created, but you are his people. See, this is a statement of belonging, of inclusion. Here's what God says, and if I don't, if I don't have anything else to go on, uh, another reason to be thankful for, God says, listen, be thankful because you are family. You're family. You know what the number one stress of this season is? Family. Because some of us, we experience good, and some of us, we really experience some bad. And so sometimes this thought of family can bring with as much good as it, or bad as it does good. And so there's this, this, and God says, whoa, let me tell you about this family. That you were created for it. That you are included in it. 
You don't ever have to question, and, this, and again, this is something to be so thankful for. You don't ever have to question whether you fit into it. And are you welcomed? Or, or are you enough? Are you valued? Are you loved? See, when you're adopted into God's family as sons and daughters, it's again, this is a statement of comfort that should lead to an attitude of gratitude that should lead us to a life of thankfulness. He says, listen, if for nothing else, if you can't find any other reason to be thankful this season, be thankful that God created you perfectly you and that he has called you his, that you belong to him and that you are who he says that you are and you are perfect, the right fit. It's again, it's a statement that should bring relief based on belonging that no matter what, I'm his. And so during this season, I stopped and I said, and for that, God, I'm thankful. And he goes on, the, the writer of this psalm, he says, well, let me give you another reason, another thing to put on the list. He says, verse 5, he says, for the Lord is good. And I needed to hear that over this last month, that the Lord is good, that God is good. See, there's a lot of things, guys, that I don't know about God. I don't know what he looks like, and I don't know why certain things happen, and I don't know the timeline on when things will end, and I don't know when things will slow up and stop and be relieved in your life, but this I know, God is good. And I know that the very nature of God is good. And here's why understanding and reminding ourselves of this matters, because life is not always good. So in a world where things aren't always good, things don't always go the way that I think they should or want them should or even is fair or right or healthy, in a, in a world that brings those things, I need to be reminded, and I needed to be reminded over these last several months, that God is good. In a world that's not good, that God is good. And you might say, well, Jason, you don't know my circumstances. Well, here's why this is important to see this deeper meaning. Notice that the, the author of this didn't say that the Lord is acting good. The author didn't say that, that the Lord feels good or that the, that the Lord is behaving in a good way towards you. No, he says he is good. It's a statement that says the nature of who he is is good. And in a world that's filled with ever-shifting changes, ups and downs, ebbs and flows, good and bad, almost moment to moment, our plans change, our circumstances change, that this reminder, this rock-solid goodness of who he is, the nature of who he is, does not change. And I'm thankful knowing that the nature of God does not change regardless of my circumstances. If he was good yesterday, he will be good today. And if he's good today, he'll be good tomorrow. And again, in this moment where I was beginning to question my goodness, which was causing me to question his goodness, what I needed to be reminded from the psalm was that he's always good. He can't be anything but good. That his nature is good. Therefore, what he does and what, what, what he is doing in your life is going to be good. Oh, it may not always fulfill the list, but he's good. And he's good. That God's goodness is completely independent of my circumstance. And for his goodness, I will be thankful. And then the psalmist goes on and says, not only is the Lord good, he says, but his love endures forever. And the list just keeps getting better. It says that his love never runs out. It never grows tired 
Another version, depending on what you're, you're kind of reading, I always read from the NIV, you may say this, that his mercy or his loving kindness, I love that, his loving kindness is forever. It's this concept that carries with it that, that he in nature is good, but his love, his loving kindness is tender. That, it, that in this, there is deep consideration for you. That his deep consideration of his being mindful of who I am and what I'm going through, that also endures. Guys, I live in this one. I live in this one. And I want to encourage you, if you're in this season where you're restless like I am, can you just live into this one for a minute? Do you know how many times I have failed God and yet he is still good to me? I'm not going to answer it out loud, but it's a lot. I wonder sometimes, what keeps God from getting so frustrated in these moments where I just blow it? That the heavens don't shake and the earth doesn't like open up and swallow me? What, what, God, what, what keeps you from doing that? And again, I bet if you're honest, you have these moments where you go, what in the world does God see in me? Why in the world does God continue to put up with me? And then I'm reminded when I come back to Psalm 100. That not only does he know me best, he loves me the most. His love just endures. His mindful consideration, his loving kindness just endures. So he stays with me because of his enduring love for me. See, the Hebrew word that's, that's mentioned here for loving kindness It says that it's loving kindness toward. What we see in this is not that his love just endures, but it gives us the reason why it endures. Me. That it endures toward something. It endures toward me. God loves me. And I told you I live in this one. I soak in this one. I have to. Because I give him so many reasons not to love me. But yet I read this and say, Jason, you are loved no matter what. And it's going to go on and on. And it's going to endure your stupidity. It's going to endure your impatience. It's going to endure your mistakes. It's going to endure your sin. It's going to endure you trying to run out in front of it. It's going to endure those things. That your love is based on me. So I live into those promises. And for that, I'm grateful. And then he closes this down. He says, not only is he good, not only does his loving kindness, his consideration last forever, he says his faithfulness continues through all generations. So he says, let me give you one, endure, one more other reason for, for giving God thanks and living into this, this season of gratitude. He says that he is unchanging truth, that he is faithful, that no matter what, he can be trusted. And I think most of us believe this, we just don't always recognize it. And for me, the reason that I don't always recognize God's faithfulness, kind of like breathing, I know I'm breathing, but I really don't realize I'm breathing, is because it's become way too familiar. There's an old story about old faithful geyser in Yellowstone. And so a researcher went out there to look at this, and if you've not seen this, it's really just kind of this thing that shoots up water, and it's, it's really pretty amazing. So the researcher went out there and he began to notice, you know, what was causing this and, you know, doing some research, but he got interested in the people. And so he started watching tourists, but he also started watching the employees of Yellowstone. And he noticed that there were two very, very different responses. So the geyser would go and it would, it would, it would, it would activate, it would erupt, and it would shoot this massive, beautiful 
waterfall type thing. And the tourists would immediately ooh and ah and take video and pictures. They were staged ready. But what he noticed is that all of the employees never looked up. Never ooed, never odd, never looked up from their job. If they were selling cotton candy, they continued to sell a cotton candy. If they were running something of a safety, they just never looked up. And here's what he concluded. He said, Old Faithful had become entirely too familiar, and in doing so, it seemingly has lost its power to impress. And I began to ask myself, have I become too familiar to the faithfulness of God? That I'm no longer impressed. I no longer think about it. I no longer give thanks for it. And the way we answer this is so important because what I found is that the way we view God's faithfulness is what gets us through the toughest moments. See, if we fail to recognize God's faithfulness, we ask, God, why? God, why are you doing this? And why this? And why not this? And why, why, why? But if we know his faithfulness, we'll begin to ask, God, how will you use this one for your glory, for your purposes, for your reason, for your knownness, for your kingdom? Because I know that you can be trusted no matter what. I know he's faithful. His promises are dependable, and for that, I'm grateful. And as we land, here's what happens. He gives us these reasons. Listen, do you need a reason to thank God? Well, you're created and you're his. You belong. You are included in his family. He is good. His love endures forever. He is faithfulness. But the, the, the author of this psalm says, so in light of that, there is a response to that. See, when you're reminded of this, when you're reminded of the reason, it leads to a response. And so out of this comes a couple of responses or just a, how do I demonstrate this? How do I begin to show thankfulness? And listen to what he says. He says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Know that he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. I see a couple things. I see, number one, I see this attitude that is shaped and it expresses itself. It dis displays itself. It demonstrates itself in this shouting, worship, serving, thankful, praising. And all of these come down to attitude. So our attitudes become a direct reflection of who God is and what he's done for us. It's the attitude that sets us up for action. Attitude is so important. And so when I began to rewind over the last month and then two months and three months, what I figured out is that it was my attitude that was, what? Indicating my actions, my feelings, my moods. Timothy Keller writes, he says that gratitude's what you feel, but thanksgiving is what you do. And so I had lost an attitude that was, was, was built and based on gratefulness. Therefore, it was hard for me to display. It was hard for me to act into, acknowledge, and create in actions these thankful things. So what's your attitude reflecting? Are you rejoicing? Are you serving with gladness? Are you striving to become the things that you see from Jesus? And so what's happened is the closer I began to get to Jesus, the more I want to be like him, and my actions begin to bear from my attitudes and then he says as we kind of close this out he says it's not just your attitude it's also going to be one more thing he says verse three know 
that the Lord is God. He says there's an acknowledgement in this. Again, the word that's used here is not just just know, but to acknowledge and show. He says, does your recognizing that who God is and what he's done for you and how he's created you, his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness, does it create within you an acknowledgement that is showcased? It's one thing to personally declare him good, but it's another thing to make him known for his goodness, to acknowledge that he is good in the spaces that we live in, to constantly be saying, God is good. Showing our neighbors, showing our family in the midst of chaos and busyness, God is good. So in this season, let's make known the name of God. Remembering that God is good. Remembering that his love endures forever. Remembering that his faithfulness is concrete. And remembering that it will continue. So here's how we're going to end. Maybe it starts with a list. I told you this last Thanksgiving, I just created a new list. And here's what I'm finding is that this list shapes this list. That the list of what I have has great impact on the list of what I don't have. And it has centered me, and I want it to center you. And so it's not too late. We're still in November. The Christmas list can wait another week. But here's what I encourage you to do. I want you to find five things. The psalmist mentions five things, and so I figured in the theme of five, we'll give you five things. But just create five things that you're grateful for. And then there's an action part of this, and it's this. There's a to-do, because it's a to-do list. If it involves God, my first one is freedom in Christ. I want you to acknowledge that, but I also want you to showcase that. I want you to, to, to find space in these next few busy weeks to let him know. Praise, worship, shout, enter his gates with thanksgiving, bless his name. And if it has to do with other people, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let them know. You know, it had been a long time since I had looked across, and it's not that I, I hadn't thought these things. But it had been a long time since I'd looked across the table and looked my mom and dad in the eyes and say, I'm thankful for you. My mom began to weep. I was like, Mom, it's not that big of a deal. Don't cry. And I think sometimes we get so busy, and it's not that I'm not thankful for my parents, but I hadn't vocalized that. And I think sometimes people need to hear that you are thankful for them. So that's the to-do part. If it's God, shout, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. If it's someone else, can I say, listen, I don't want this to get weird, but I'm thankful for you. And then above all, in doing all of these things, we'll let him know that, God, you really are the giver of good things. And whether I get to open up anything else under my tree, after a short time of of reflection, what I realize is that you have given me way more than I deserve, could ask for, or imagine. Father, this morning, as we take a deep breath in and get ready for the season that will absolutely come at us at a thousand miles an hour, can we just stop and make sure that 
we create this list before we get on to the other list. God, I'm, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life, how you continue to use me, how you continue to include me in your partnership and plans. God, how you continue to use my voice as a voice of influence and reason. God, how you continue to love me even though you know me. God, I'm grateful that you don't just look over our imperfections. You help us to become better people and deal with those imperfections. That, God, you're leading us through your word and through your spirit to be better people. God, it's, it's not that you don't care about what I do. It's that you care so much that you're reshaping, reimagining, reinventing what I do. And you're doing that through things like Psalm 100. So God, in a season where we're so quick to just dismiss this little thought of thanksgiving, will you remind us that this one really sets up the next one? God, may we be people that live with an attitude of gratitude, but then we allow it to be showcased in these actions of thanksgiving. So, Father, I just pray that whatever comes of these lists will be a reminder, a clear reminder, much like Psalm 100, a simple, clear, concrete reminder that we were created for a purpose, that we are called into community. And because of that, you are good, you are loving, and you are faithful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And God, may my actions even speak louder than my words as I live a life of thankfulness. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. Let's stand together.